Will you turn with me, please, in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter? 1 Peter. How are you all today? Good, all right. Happy Veterans Day coming up. If you're a veteran, watch the internet for those discounts. <laughs> yeah, the big chill is coming. It's supposed to be in the 60s today, and then snowing tomorrow. God bless St. Louis. Praise the Lord. We're going to look at chapter 2 here. <clears throat> we are super excited for Mike to be traveling to Africa soon. Please keep him in your prayers. I know we prayed for him to today, but it is a big, big trip and a big deal. Um, and we're excited for all the work that we're doing. We have a lot of construction projects going on, just to remind you. Uh, we are in early phases right now in constructing a seminary, our CLTI program, for training leaders in India. And we are about halfway through the training in Pakistan, uh, halfway through the building of the training facility in Pakistan. But we've run into some problems because there's new tariffs that came out on concrete, uh, which is expensive, and everything is built by, with concrete. Uh, so keep in prayer, please, all the work that we're doing around the world because we need the Lord to just streamline everything, and he is faithful to us. Today we're going to talk about work. We're going to look at 1 Peter 2. Last week we talked about rest. It's kind of nice to talk about rest. It's also good to talk about work, and it's good to talk about them in conjunction together, too, because you need one with the other. Uh, we were made to work. One of the lies of the world is to tell us that we were made to retire, that you were made for entertainment, you were made for comfort, you were made to relax. And the reality is God made us as image bearers to tend to the garden. From the very beginning of creation, he put people in the garden because he wanted us to work. He wanted us to do things, and it's important what we do even if it's sitting in a cubicle, or it's cleaning up trash, or it's being uh, a quote-unquote important job, like in government or something like that, all the jobs are important to God because everything belongs to Him. It's really important that we understand that in God's economy, that is, in His kingdom, in the way that He does things, it's not the kingdom of God, and then the United States of America, and then maybe England, and then possibly France or Italy, you know, and then way down here is North Korea. It doesn't work like that. The reality is God's kingdom is over all things, and he rules over all nations. And in the kingdom, we still are American citizens, sure, but we don't come to God as American citizens. We come to God as kingdom citizens. And then from that, there are also neat cultural things that the Lord does bring out because he redeems culture and he loves culture. And it's important that we have black people and white people and yellow people and red people and all the people because God loves all those things and different styles of music and all those things are so cool, aren't they? That's good. But in all those places, our work matters. And it's interesting to think about that in a multicultural sense because every culture approaches work in a different way. And sometimes the American culture, which we assume is the best because we live here, most of us live here our whole lives, uh, doesn't always get it right. Unfortunately. Here's a fun picture I like of this poor lady, if you can see it. She's asleep at her, her desk, and it's kind of dark in the background there. Have you ever been asleep on the job? You ever fallen asleep or been so tired while you're trying to grade papers at night that you just can't get through it? Or you're so tired while you're doing whatever that you're just kind of half there? You know what I'm talking about? You're vacuuming, but you vacuum the same spot 50 times because you don't really fully know what you're doing anymore. What does godly work really look like? 
And I think for a lot of us, especially as American people, sometimes we get so busy at our work that we are actually asleep on the job for the kingdom. Because we get so busy doing things that we're not actually working in an effective way for what God has called us to in his economy. Today we're going to talk about what Peter tells us, how we should work and who we are and what we should do, because these are important questions for us in how we live. Please read with me 1 Peter. We're going to look at chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. The apostle tells us this. So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like the living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in it, it says in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And also the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Praise the Lord for his word. Here's my question for you as we start looking at the word of God this morning and sort of break this down. We're actually going to continue on in 1 Peter here and look at other parts. But as a question for you, and I really mean this is a real question so you can actually answer. And if you don't want to answer, don't feel put on the spot. There are no grades at the end of this. There's no pop quiz. It's okay. What do you think God wants us to do? What do you think God actually practically wants us to do? What kind of things should we be doing? What does our work look like? What do you think? Yeah, stewardship over the world. That's good. Michael, I appreciate that you break the ice, too. You just go for, Michael is ready just to go for it. It's good, isn't it? Michael said stewardship over the world. Yes, that's important because God created the world, so he cares about the world. That's one thing that we should do. What else should we do? What does God want us to do? Walk with him. Yeah. What does that mean? Great answer, by the way. Yeah. So he's in, actually involved with you in all the things that you do every day. Yep. Good. Well, just as we care for the world, obviously we need to care for one another. Yeah. That's good. So help other people. I'll summarize. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, Jim. Okay. How, what, so that's an excellent answer. Bring the kingdom into the relationships with people that you're working with. What does that mean practically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's having respect for people. And, and showing what God cares about, it's sort of like walking every day with him. It affects who you are and what you do. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, kind of what Christ told us to do is to make disciples. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Amen. And that's what we're referring to is, you know, going out and 
Amen. That's great. Yeah, we need to make disciples. Fantastic. Any other things? Yeah. Excellent. Good answer. That's a great answer. Press on and not give up. What kind of things would make us want to give up? Trials. Yeah, trials. That's good. Sickness. Persecution. Thankfully, we don't have to deal with that very much, but it's there. Unmet expectations. Yeah, of yourself, of unmet expectations, what you thought God would do sometimes. Doesn't always do what you want. Yeah, press on. That's good. Keep on. Anybody else? These are great answers. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. True. We work for, we're drafted. Willing bond servants. Uh, what did you say, Randy? I'm sorry. Sharing his word. That's right. That's good. Being a sharing people. Here's a uh, kid's book that could help us. Even poop has a purpose. It's a children's book that's out there. Even <laughs> That's terrible, isn't it? I just threw that in just to be funny. It's okay. It's all right to laugh. The Lord is with us. <laughs> the Lord is with us. Well, first Peter. Peter is writing to uh, the church who are spread out into all different areas. And so this letter is being carried to different churches around. And they are all going through difficult times. There's a lot that's happening. What's really interesting here is he's telling us we should put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy, evil, envy, slander, like newborn infants. Long for that pure spiritual milk growing up into the salvation of Christ. And he comes away from that saying this, as you come to him, you see, he has a, an expectation. He has a assumption that you are coming to Christ. And the, th- the, the key here about our work is, it doesn't matter what we do. If we try to do it apart from Christ, it will not work, first of all. It will not be effective in a lot of ways, although sometimes God blesses people, doesn't he? Which is surprising. Sometimes you see the most evil person that you know on your street, and they just seem to be blessed. And you're like, Lord, why are you doing this? And he's kind, isn't he? He's kind. But to be effective in the kingdom, to have your work be effective, to have it be fulfilling, because that's what we want, isn't it? That fulfilling work. You can't do it apart from the shepherd. you got to come to Christ. And Peter is assuming that. He's assuming that we're coming to Christ. Because sometimes we get so fixated on, what should I do today? If I do these things, it's going to be okay. And one of the really neat things that we said in all our answers here is that walking with God is a relationship. It's not just a job. So he is our employer. We are drafted into his army. He is the king. And also, everywhere we go, we're spreading his word. We're discipling people for him. We're living for his glory. We're doing it in conjunction with a relationship for him. And so as we walk, it's not just us doing things. But I'm here to tell you, it's a lot easier when you have the instruction booklet that says, put the red Lego on the black Lego, and you just stick it together. And you're like, yes, there it is. But God has not designed life that way at all. Instead, it's more like these sheep just walking. There are a couple places in the world. Spain is one. There's a a city in Ohio that does this where they move herds right through the middle of the city. And they have like kind of like the running of the bulls. It's like the running of the lambs. I don't know. Anyway, they come rocking through. But life is it's busy and it's messy and there's a lot to it. And there's a lot going on. And Peter is assuming that in the reality of what life looks like like this, we are actually moving forward in him. We are actually coming to Christ. We are serving him. He is our shepherd. He is our goal. 
He's our purpose giver. If we try to do work outside of what Christ has called us to, it becomes very purposeless. For instance, you can spend your whole life, your whole life, working on a computer system to make floppy disks work. Floppy disks are the future. And nowadays, nobody cares. And it was a stepping stone, and it was super important. But then you tell people today, I mean, I worked on floppy disks. And kids are like, what is that? And your whole life's legacy suddenly just sort of, what does it matter? Isn't it funny how you can live your whole life and work for a corporation your whole life and maybe even get the Rolex at the end? Sort of feel like, what's the point? But in Christ, there's purpose. In Christ, it's fulfilling. In Christ, you can work for that floppy disk project all day because you're not working just for that. You're working for His glory. That even in that digital company, even in that computer company, Christ is going to be king. Every conflict, every relationship, everything that happens, every bottom line that we have to come to, everything that we do, every decision, it's going to look like Christ in his kingdom. And boy, I'll tell you what, what a company that would be. What a company that would be. And we long for it, don't we? And you can hear it. You look at any social media post anywhere. And kids that are dabbling nowadays, and I say kids, most, I mean college students, that are dabbling with old ideas of, man, if it was just a communist system or a socialist system, it'd be so much better. And really what we're hoping for is that kind of love that looks like the kingdom. And we get so distracted by other things because we want what that looks like. It's funny how we get distracted, isn't it? Come to Christ. When I say come to Christ, I mean he really is our shepherd. Think about with me a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? What's the job of a shepherd? Watch, over the flock. Watch the flock. Protect them from stuff. Steer them where they should go. Make sure they have water. Keep them safe. It's not really, it's a hard job, but it's not that hard of a job. Anybody can be a shepherd in the sense of the old world and what they thought about. It was a very low job. This was not a job that you needed a college degree for. This was a job that anybody could qualify for because all you got to do is watch the sheep and be willing to die. No big deal. You know, so... <clears throat> but think about a shepherd. If they're making all these sheep go, um, they are gentle sometimes and really kind. They're also yelling sometimes. They're also whacking them with a stick. They're also moving them because they have a purpose also that the sheep do not always see. And sometimes we get so fixated on waiting for the blessing of the fruit of my labor. My work is going to look like this success. But God the shepherd is looking ahead to what he wants and what he desires. And he's steering us toward a goal that's much greater than our expectation. And sometimes we're so shocked when we think we're right in the grasp of that promotion. Instead, we feel the shepherd's hook pull us. And we're like, the devil's against me. He's, he doesn't want me to get this promotion. And instead, God is steering us because he has a much greater goal. That's not just our success. It looks like discipling the world. It looks like bringing the kingdom. It looks like proclaiming his word. It looks like putting us in places where we have influence with the people he has called us to. And it's different than our expectation sometimes. And so what I'm telling you is, even in work, if we are following the shepherd and coming to Christ, it means that even as we define success in our own mind, we've got to change what that looks like. It doesn't always look like the promotion. It doesn't always look like more money. Although, you know what? Praise God for those things. They're great. I'm not against those things. I'm saying, are we following the shepherd? 
Are we following the career path? They're, they're different sometimes. First thing we need to do is come to Jesus. The second thing we need to do is submit to Jesus. I don't know why my same picture came up, but that's okay. Submit to Jesus. How do we submit to Jesus? The easiest thing that we need to do is submit to the Bible. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the Word. He's the Word of God who's become flesh for us. So for us, very practically, to submit to Jesus means that we need to submit to the Bible. I'm saying it to you very bluntly like that because not a lot of people believe it anymore. They don't believe that. They think that they're different things. If we believe in Jesus, and we wouldn't use the word submit. I used it specifically because we're not just believing in him. The demons believe in him and shudder. We're submitting to Jesus because he has drafted us into his service, and our work matters for what he has called us to. But in order for that to happen, we have to actually submit to the Bible. One of the greatest deceits of our world today is to be able to say that what you feel like is good is your truth. Have you heard those things of somebody who's living their best life? It's out there. A lot of people say that nowadays. They're living their truth. They're living their best life. And it's just whatever they want. We're not a people who do whatever we want. If we follow Christ, if we come to Jesus, if we're coming to the shepherd, we have to actually submit to him. How do we do that? We take what the word says, and we assume that where the word differs with our thinking, our thinking is wrong. And we need to say, Lord, where I am different, I know you are right, and so I will adhere to what you say, and I will go this way. And here's the problem. Every time we come to the communion table, every time you come to the word, every time you pray, the Holy Spirit is committed to the word of God because he's committed to Christ. It's, his, it's one God. And so in his spirit, he is going to form you to look like Jesus. And so everywhere we go, if we do things that are contrary to what the Bible says, we're always going to come against a wall because it will never work out right and never just be okay. And that's the other deceit is that somehow if you live your best life, whatever you define that is, it will be okay as long as you're not hurting other people. It's fine. It's, it's not fine. And now I'm not talking about God's not going around just the earth swallowing people, thank the Lord. He could do that. He doesn't do that. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about we who say, I belong to Jesus. If you say you belong to him, if you're following him, he's not going to let you just wander. But you know what? That's his love for us. The Bible says that he disciplines those whom he loves. In his love for us, he keeps us moving in the paths that he wants us on so that we can do things for him. A lot of times he does that through very practical things. Have you ever tried to escape somebody at work that you just don't get along with and you just don't want to do anything with them and then you find yourself on a committee with them? Or they're like, you partner up with that one. You're like, what? What? No. And it just, you just can't get away from that person. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit going, okay, we're going to deal with this today. Here it is. And I'm giving you, oh, this is my other image bearer. We're going to deal with this with you today too. Okay, guys, here we go. And, the Lord, and you know what? He's faithful that way, isn't he? And it drives us insane. But he's faithful. And then at the end of the day, you look back and you're like, Lord, thank you. You were so kind to me that you changed me, that I could look like you. And in all those things, he uses work. Isn't that funny? He uses our work to shape us to look like him. That's so cool. Submit to Jesus. We need to seek God. 
submit to his word. Um, this is really important because this is what you're going to run up against with conflict with people. They, wanna, they want Jesus' love all day. They want your love and acceptance all day. As soon as you come to the Bible as an authority, it will be a problem because nobody wants to submit. I'm telling you, if we're distinct in the world, if we're different, this is where we're different, is we submit to the Word of God and we trust Him, and it's, it's life. It's life to us. Don't take that lightly. It's a big deal. Third thing we need to do, offer Him yourself. Offer Him yourself. Peter tells us, you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Now, this is a violent-looking picture, isn't it? Sometimes, I think, because we have Trader Joe's and we have Aldi and we have Walmart and all these places, Schnucks, whatever, uh, we forget where the meat really comes from and the process it takes sometimes to get there. You know, the actual process of sacrificing an animal, not nice. It's not happy. It's not a good thing. It's gross. It's not good. So when Peter tells us that we should offer a spiritual sacrifice that's acceptable to God, what can we offer to God? He made us. He made your money. He owns everybody around you. He made your children. He owns everything. What do you think he wants? And the answer is he wants you to submit. He wants you to give him the glory of saying, Lord, I believe in you, and I love you more than I love my own life. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to adhere to your scripture, and I'm going to put my will, my desire, my anger, I'm going to put my hurt about not getting that promotion, I'm going to set it before you and say, Lord, as a living sacrifice, I belong to you. So my attitude will reflect that, my life will reflect that, my conduct will reflect that. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes things happen, and you are run ragged because the children have gotten out every Lego in the house. Every G.I. Joe in the house is out on the carpet right after you just cleaned it and company is coming in two minutes. And it's like a nuclear bomb went off in your bathroom. You don't know what they're doing. And here's your son with cleats that are muddy like, I cleaned them. Just, what? What? Real life gets in the way, doesn't it? And here's the reality is that God uses all these circumstances that in our work we honor him through our attitude, not just through what we produce. Think about this. What can you make? You could be the greatest artist in the world, Da Vinci, Picasso, whatever. You could be the greatest musician. You could be the greatest. What can you make better than him? You know when a kid comes up to you and they've colored you a picture and you can't even tell what it is? And they're so proud of it. And they're like, I made this for you. What can we do to God? What can we give him? Make for him that's better than what he's done. It's like a child bringing one of those pictures. And you just look at it and you're like, thank you. What is he concerned about? He's concerned about your heart, your attitude, who you are. He's concerned about what he's done in your life. And that you've received it and that you're following him. That's what he's concerned about. And sometimes we get so focused on the outcome of the work, that if it looks this good, then God will love me. If I can just do all these good things, I'm going to bring in more canned goods than anybody for the whole thing for Thanksgiving. All these, I'm going to feed every homeless person, everybody. And then, man, I'll do something for God then. And you know what? That would be great. 
Do what God's called you to. Walk in good attitude. Walk in good life. Follow him. Listen to the scriptures. Give yourself to Christ. Sacrifice your attitudes on the altar to consider that other people are more important than you and that he's more important than everybody. That's what he's calling us to. And so we give him, give him ourselves. Peter goes on in 1 Peter 2, and he says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What a great, isn't that an awesome passage? Praise the Lord. It's an awesome passage. What does a priest do? A chosen race, a royal priesthood. What do priests actually do? Do you know? What do they actually do? I have a cool picture here. It's of, this is Pope Paul VI. I don't know why he has a lamb, but he has a lamb. Um, I, don't, I just thought this was a funny picture because I was trying to find something with priest and lamb. I don't know. I want you to see this picture, though, because what does a priest actually do? Here's what a priest does. They lead people to God. In the Old Testament, the only way you could come before him was if you had your sin dealt with because we are unholy people. And the only way you could do that was through sacrifice. Somebody had to die for you to come into God's presence. And the Bible is clear that the blood of bulls and goats would not appease God. And so the Lord sent his own son, Jesus, who died for us, that his blood would make a way better than any other blood. His sacrifice, the perfect for the imperfect, the sinless for the sinful, he died for us that we could come into God's presence, God's perfect lamb who was sacrificed for us. That's why in the old covenant, they looked to the blood of bulls and goats. It was a reflection of what was to come in Christ. And today it's the same thing. The only way that people can come to God is not through slick words, is not through a great presentation, it's not through the Christmas caroling, although let's try that. It's not through that stuff. It's through Jesus. It's through his perfect blood. It's through his resurrection. And we lead people to God. And it is a deceit in our lives that we are leading people to peace. We are not leading people to peace. We are not leading people to joy. We are not leading people to feeling better. We are not leading people to a place where they can know healing for the first time. We're leading them to Jesus. He is our peace. He is our joy. He is our healing. He is our life. If we don't take them to Christ and his perfect sacrifice and his resurrection, we sell them a different gospel and they will die for it. Because the only way we can be saved is through the blood of Jesus Christ, his cross, his death, his resurrection. That's the only way. And so how do we lead people to God? That's the first job of a priest. You do it through Jesus. That's the only way. It's like a priest holding the lamb. If you will, it's like the shepherd really holding us and saying, look at this lamb. He's an example for you. And God puts you out there. And you say, come with me. I, I don't know. Come to Jesus. And we just bring everybody to the chief shepherd. That's our job. How can you do that? You pray for people. You tell them the truth. You tell them your testimony. What has God done in your life? You open the Bible with them and say, this is what it says. God gave his own son for us. Do you know Jesus? Come with me. 
Come, we're meeting Sunday and see what God does because he's the, he's the one that's going to bring the power for all those things. That's the first thing. The second thing a priest does, they intercede. In the Old Testament, when a priest came, they would come and their job was to pray for the people, to help shepherd them. We are called to do that too. Now as a royal priesthood, we pray for people. We pray not just that God would give them blessing, but that God would reveal himself to them, that he would write his word on their hearts, that they would know what it's like to really know and follow God. Isn't that better than the promotion? Listen, the promotion's great. Don't get me wrong. That stuff's awesome. But man, to know him, it's worth all of it. It's worth all of it. We intercede for people. The third thing we do is we teach people, if all you know is that Jesus Christ is Lord, he died for us, he rose again, and if we believe in him and we submit to him and we pray and say, Lord, forgive me, he'll actually forgive us. If that's all you know, you know more than everybody who's perishing. And so our job as priests is that we would teach the people, this is what the word of God says, this is who he is, this is what he's done. The last thing that we're called to do is to distinguish between the holy and the unholy. We'll talk about this more next week. But distinguishing between the holy and the unholy, it's living by the Bible. There are certain places you can't go. Um, I used to be in the military, and um, the wives, the military wives of my soldiers were the worst. They were the worst. So we'd go to a special function together, like a military ball for the Army's birthday or whatever, and everybody gets dressed up, and we'd go to this you know, ballroom thing, and we got this special presentation and all this stuff. And after the presentation, there was always a party. It's like high school where there's the dance thing afterward. And the wives were crazy. They would come, I mean, they're, they're coming with bottles of alcohol and liquor and trying to get every, I mean, they were nuts. And now, no, this is nothing against ladies. Please don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that. But the soldiers knew they got to come back to work with me Monday. The wives thought it'd be funny if they could get the leaders to do something dumb. That was the goal. And so that was what, that's what they were trying to do. And it was, it got out of hand sometimes of just weird stuff that people would do. And so um, my soldiers knew there were lines I was not going to cross. And the wives hated it. But guess who drove them home at the end of the night? There's places you can't go. There's stuff we can't do. And the world is going to be like, come on. What's wrong with you? Come on. It's fine. It's not fine. We've got to distinguish between the holy and the unholy. Um, I was in a restaurant with Mike Hayden one time. I may have told you this story because I thought it was so great. And there was a, a lady in there who was like a business consultant talking to the owner of the restaurant. And uh, she, she came up to our table and she said, hey, settle an argument for us. And the owner's there. And she said, if I had a really pretty you know, hot waitress here who was working the bar, you'd spend more money, wouldn't you? Like she'd flirt with you, you know. You guys would spend more money, right? And Mike Hayden said, uh, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you mean. And she said, you know, if I put a really hot waitress, this place would do better, right? Come on. And Mike went, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And she said, if there's a hot waitress, you will spend more money. And he said, uh, he said, I can tell you right now, I think my wife is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And so you can put any waitress you want there. It won't affect anything. In fact, you should meet my wife. Her name's Shelly. She's so great. And this lady was like, come on, man. And the owner's like, see, we're not hiring anybody. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. But I, here's, it was not, 
he didn't pull out the Bible and say, like, this, here's a verse for you. He just was himself. And you know what's in Mike? Love for his wife. Because God gave him Shelley. And it's obvious. And it came out of him in a moment when the world says, hey, tell a joke. And instead, it was just, this is what faithfulness looks like. And I sat there and watched him, and I thought, that's, that's good. That's the real deal. You are the real deal. If you've never had a moment like that, or you're thinking, man, I, I'm quick with the jokes. You are the real deal because God has already done a work in you. When I talk about distinguishing between the holy and the unholy, understand, he has made you holy by his blood. You are the holy one. So when God puts you in a situation that's dirty, guess what? You're the clean one. You're the cleaner. You're the one who's there to represent the light. You're the one who's there to be the light. You are the light through Christ into any dark situation. Praise the Lord for that. Here's a little table for you. This is what the world says. We should earn money through our work. That's the most important thing. The word says that we should save souls. The world tells us time is money. If you can work less and earn more, that's when you really made it. That's when you're doing really good. The word says we should sacrifice our time. The world tells us that we should invest in a good payoff. That might mean people. That might mean an actual investment into something. It might mean the right bank. It might mean the right credit card. It might mean whatever. And you invest your time into trying to figure that out. The word tells us that we should invest in people. That's what God cares about. The world tells us that we should have a killer instinct that's required to be good in business. But the word tells us that humility is required. Our work should be humble before our God who loves us because we are priests before him. The world tells us that moral ambiguity is normal. It's always going to be stuff. Just go with it. But the word tells us that we have to submit to the scripture. And the world tells us we should keep our personal life out of it. But the word tells us that we should proclaim Christ. God has put you where he's put you for a reason. Don't be afraid to tell people about Jesus. It might cost you something. Just to be clear, it might cost you something. But if we're not going to be faithful to what God has told us, we're not going to see anything good happen. This picture, I know it's going to be a little bit difficult to see. I'm sorry for that. Is a picture of a sheep in the back with a, one of the shepherd's crooks holding him. Here's how Second Peter, or First Peter, ends up chapter two, or this little section rather. He says, "Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul." Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. We need to wake up. If you feel like you've been asleep on the job, it's time to wake up. It's time to realize that his hook is around us, that he is leading us, that the good shepherd is taking us in positions where we're going to be influential for the kingdom and for what he's called us to. So for real work, here's my little acronym for you. We need to wake up. Here are some practical things you need to do. For real work, wake up. Walk with Christ. Answer people. Actually answer them. If they're telling a joke and it's against the Lord, actually answer them. If the lady walks up to you in the restaurant and says, if I had the hot waitress, you would spend more money, right? Actually answer her. Let's be, actually be people who truthfully answer things. Kill your bad attitudes. Sacrifice them for Jesus. Put yourself on the altar and start with your own attitude against your boss, 
your own attitude against your stupid job, and let that language change in your mind. Lord, you know I don't like this job. You know I'm frustrated. I'm submitting to you. I'm killing this bad attitude, and I'm going to do the best I can. Help me to represent your kingdom today. And please give me another job. Amen. That's a great prayer. That's a great prayer. And then the first step you should take should not be into complaint. It should be into, let's do this. Amen? Amen. Escort people to Jesus. Be a shepherd. Take somebody by the hand and say, let me introduce you to Jesus. He's the only way. He is the peace that they want in their lives. Understand the Bible. If you have never read through the Bible, let's read through it. If you have never taken the time to figure out anything in it, but you just know a couple scriptures, start today in the book of Romans. And anything you don't understand, call me or David or Jerry or a friend who you know knows it and say, let's meet. Or just talk to me an hour over the phone. Or can I email you because I don't have time? Whatever. But let's understand the Bible together and live it out and not just pretend. And let's pray like we mean it. Like we actually mean it. Sometimes it's easy to pray and well, you check that box. Hey, praying for you at work. Lord, pray that that person gets transferred. Amen. Let's pray like we mean it. What kind of prayers is God after with his work? Lord, transform that person's heart. Use me to be an example. Father, I don't want to be on a committee with them. Please preserve us so I don't have to do it. But Lord, if you do it, help me to love them with your love and get done quickly. This is real. You know, I'm not, it's, when we leave here, all the stuff's still out there, isn't it? It's still there. But we need to wake up to what God is doing. Because, man, wouldn't that be a testimony of what he's done, how he changes hearts, how he brings people together, how he redeems work, and how at the end of the day, yes, the floppy disk is important, but look at all these people that God changed. And I just got to watch it because he's so good. How cool is that? That's what we're after because that's what the word is after and that's what the Lord is doing. That's his work, more so than the floppy disk, more so than the whatever. Everybody good? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are with us. Lord, thank you, God, that you have called us to be a royal priesthood for you. Thank you, God, that you have filled us with your spirit. And so we come before you, Lord, to say we're not perfect. We have failed so many times. You know it. We're not going to try to hide it. And Lord, because of your death and your resurrection, God, we bring ourselves to your altar, Lord. And we say, God, as a spiritual act of worship, we sacrifice our bad attitudes we sacrifice our plans. We sacrifice our hopes and our dreams. Lord, everywhere we want to step, everything that we want so much, we lay it before your feet. And Lord, whatever you have called us to, every job you've put us in, Lord, we say we're going to work hard for you. Lord, and we trust you with our promotion. We trust you with our money. We trust you that you're going to make a way. But Father, use us that we would be influential in your work. Lord, use us to save souls. Use us to bring people into your kingdom. Use us to demonstrate what your love, what your grace, what your gospel looks like. And more than anything, Lord, help us to bring glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are our peace. Thank you, Lord, that you are our grace. Lord, anybody who's struggling right now in a committee with people, anybody who has somebody at work that's just grinding them, Lord, anybody who has a boss that's just a jerk, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring by your gospel peace into that situation. Lord, I pray that you would bring by your gospel success into that situation. 
Father, I pray anybody who is struggling right now financially, who just can't seem to make the paychecks work, Father, I pray that you would give them blessing. Lord, not, that just, not so we can just buy things we want, but Lord, that you would meet all of our needs according to your word. We submit to you, we trust you, God, and we know that every situation you are ruling and reigning. And so we look to you, O oh Jesus. Be glorified by our attitude, be glorified by our work. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed this week in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Have a productive, blessed week. Amen. Bless you all. Thank you.